Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. your sermon note handouts this morning. So if you do not have those, hold up your hands and we'll get those to you. What you're getting is the sermon notes, what I will be speaking on this morning. You're also getting a take-home guide, and this we pass out every Sunday. It's for the entire D6 family, uh, so uh, it has the material that you are studying this week together as a family, and also what all your kids are studying in all of their curriculum as well. So uh, we want to provide that for you every week. Now, if you have not already, be sure you get your Fusion magazines. Um, we have these. They run through, uh, what, through November? And then we'll order get new magazines for everyone. And this is keeping us all. We're studying this together collectively as families, as individuals, uh, small groups, just wherever you want to place this study. If you're in a small group, your small group may be studying this. Uh, but at least in your families, we want to try to equip mom and dad with some resources uh, that you can have some good devotional material in your possession to be able to lead your family in devotion time. I know uh, we were talking yesterday, if I would have had some of this material when our kids were small, I would have been all over it. Because, you know, 20 years ago, it was a struggle to find some kid-oriented devotional material that we all could learn from. And uh, so we have some amazing resources today. So especially you families with, with young kids, you need to jump all over this opportunity. We all need to be, at least in the Fusion Guide, studying together in our own individual personal devotion. So if you do not have your magazine, jump out there immediately after service. Uh, put in your order for one of these, and we'll get those out to you. Also, you saw some of the guys in the band up here today, and I think I see some in the congregation wearing in your new victory shirt it has our mission statement on the front uh, we passed those out last week we had we had different sizes for everybody we ran out of sizes so if you did not get a shirt we have a few more sizes out on the table drop by the table out in the connection cafe immediately after service and pick up your shirt if we do not have your size then you need to put in a let us know your size and we'll get those ordered for you and get them out to you okay so immediately after service go out to the connection cafe there'll be a table there and you can get your fusion magazine you can get your shirt uh, or we can tell it tell us your size and we'll get some shirts ordered for you okay get it Good, good, good. Hey, uh, by the way, we got some exciting news. Last week I failed to mention the new Jordan family that's in the church, but uh, Will and Kristen got married, what, two weeks ago? And uh, so congratulations, guys. Give them a hand. Wonderful job. So glad they're here. Also, we, the Cannon family, found out, Tyler and Meg discovered this past weekend that they are going to be having a baby girl, Okay. So that we're excited about that. And uh, did I tell you I'm going to be a grandpa? You, you know that, right? And I'm having a baby girl. So uh, we're kind of excited about that. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on here with our, with our family. Earl, good to see you. Man, you're looking good. Uh, we need to get you plugged in. Hey, by the way, October the, um, October, somebody help me out here. October, what am I talking about? Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Let me get it here. October the 21st, October 21, we're having our fall outdoor worship service, okay? And we're going to have a church cookout and just have fun together. So October the 21st, on that Sunday morning, we're going to be having our worship service outside uh, in the cool. Hopefully it's good and cool. We'll have our fall time out there together. So put that on your calendar. Be sure you're here for that. Bring your lawn chairs. We'll have some chairs out there, but if you want to bring a, a more comfortable lawn chair, bring that. We're going to be out in the front parking lot there. We'll have our service outside. We have a, we have a treat for you. Uh, Mr. Gary, can I go ahead and share that? Mr. Gary, back in the, hold your hand up, Gary. Gary, if you guys don't know this, plays the bagpipes. Okay? 
And he's going to be featuring the bagpipes in that outdoor service on the 21st. So you don't want to miss that, right? It's going to be fantastic. We're looking forward to that. And uh, that's kind of cool, right? I may have to go get me one of those. Um, what's it called? Skilt. Skilt? Kilt. <laughs> I may have to find. You have one? Now, can I wear shorts under it? Okay, <laughs> you may, if you have one that'll fit me, I'll put that on that Sunday and wear that. That'll be kind of cool. So that'll be fun. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be amazing. When I found out he played those, I said, man, you got to play in the church for us. He said, it may be allowed if I play it in here. So outdoor service on the 21st, he's going to unleash those things and, uh, and play for us. So we're looking forward to that. I thought maybe also that may be a good time for Brother Earl. I don't know if he can get that harmonica tuned up and ready. Maybe we can get a couple of songs together for that outdoor service. So, Earl, if you're feeling up to it, we'll try to plug you in on that Sunday as well. Just have fun together as a church family. We'll have a cookout immediately following. Uh, we'll have the cornhole toss out there and the, obviously the playground. Just have fun together as a church family. So put that on your calendar, October the 21st. You definitely want to be here for, for that day, okay? Is there something else I'm forgetting? All right then. If not, you have your sermon notes and our D6 theme of the week. And we're looking in 1 Kings chapter number 19, 18 and 19. Um, and that's the text dealing with the prophet Elijah. Now, if you remember last week, we were talking about seeking wise counsel. And King uh, Rehoboam, obviously sought counsel after his own will and his own agenda. He did not take godly counsel. It wound up leading the children of Israel into a state of rebellion and idolatry and idol worship. And that's what Elijah now is having to deal with, where he's having to have the courage and the boldness to stand and confront sin and idol worship. And we see that taking place in chapter number 18 of 1 Kings. Okay, So you're going to be studying that this week in your D6 fusion, D6 material, study material, in your devotion time, you're going to be unpacking all of that. Uh, there's several different fusion facts for the week that you're going to get Monday through Friday, so I want to encourage you to get plugged into those. Today, I want to just lean into chapter number 19 a little bit. Uh, chapter 19 is right after when Elijah had the great victory in chapter 18. You remember the story. He goes out with the prophets of Baal, and there were many of them. And he says, okay, you cry out to your God, then I'll cry out to my God. And whosoever God answers by fire and consumes this sacrifice on this altar that we have built, that will be the true God. Do you remember the story in 1 Kings 18? And, of course, the prophets of Baal, they cried out, and they cried out, and they cried out. And, of course, obviously, Baal never answered. And they started cutting themselves and weeping and crying. And Elijah sat back and said, I kind of like this about Elijah. Hey, maybe he just can't hear you. Cry out a little louder, right? Maybe he's asleep or taking a nap. Make it louder so you can wake him up. Then maybe he'll answer your prayer. Of course, Elijah knew he wasn't. There was no prophet of Baal that could do that. And, of course, then Elijah prays this short little sentence, and immediately Jehovah God answers by fire, consumes the sacrifice, and then all the prophets of Baal were killed and destroyed. So what an amazing victory Elijah had in chapter number 18. But then we get to chapter 19. And after chapter 18, we have this amazing victory. Now, Elijah is faced with opposition in chapter number 19. Let me just go on record to say this. With every victory, there will be opposition. Okay? Anytime you have a mountaintop experience, get ready. There's going to be some opposition come your way. So today, I want to talk to you a little bit on how to identify and how to recover from burnout. Because I think in chapter number 19, this is what we see in the prophet Elijah. I mean, he was passionately serving the Lord. He was working for God. He was doing everything right. But he came to the place where I think he ran into some burnout. In chapter 19, what did Elijah do? We can read.
read the chapter in just a moment. We'll read excerpts of it. But we find out that he fled and he ran off to the desert. He went a little bit further, a day's journey by himself. He isolated himself. He sat down beneath the tree. There he fell asleep. He was discouraged. He was depressed. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And that's what we see in chapter 19, verse 3 through 5. So he was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a place in your life where you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired? The question I'm asking you, have you ever struggled with burnout? Have you ever asked yourself the question, am I just getting burnout on you fill in the blank? We've all been there, right? So I want to try to help you today because I believe that's where we find Elijah. I think we find Elijah at the place of burnout in his life. So I want to help you identify that if you are dealing with or on the brink of burnout. And then if you are burnt out, I want to help you show you how you can recover from that. And we find all of this in chapter number 19. And you're going to be studying chapter 18 and chapter 19 this week in your fusion devotional study material. But here I believe in chapter number 19 is a classic example of burnout. There's this mountaintop experience. Then there's this valley experience. With every high, I want you to know there's going to be a low. With every success, there's going to be stress. And we've all struggled with burnout from time to time. So you may be sitting here today and saying, you know what, preacher? This is not for me. Life is good. I'm on the mountaintop. I am not burnt out at all. Well, I just want to say congratulations. Hello? Woo, I'm glad you're there, right? And hey, I want to be there often as well. Don't we all want to be there? So if you're there today and you think, man, this sermon's not for me because, man, I'm on the mountaintop. Everything is great in my life right now. I just want to say congratulations. If you live a few more days, you're going to be coming off that mountain. And you're going to be going down to that valley. So I want you to take copious notes today. Why don't I want you to take that? Because you need to stick it in your back pocket, and when you come down off that mountaintop, you need to learn how to recover from the valley or the burnout that you may find yourself in, okay? So maybe you're not dealing with this. Maybe life is kind of easy for you, and I say congratulations. That's amazing. Awesome. Praise the Lord, right? But maybe you have a loved one or a friend that you know struggles. Maybe you have someone you think of right now in your family that you're thinking, man, I, I just feel like they're just in a state of depression, or maybe they're depressed or burnt out or at their wit's end. What can I do to help them take notes today for them if they're not here? This will be the message that you want to file these notes away into some resource areas where you can get access to them real quickly because this one really deals with life. You know, I, I feel like and I really strive to be a positive guy. I really try my best not to speak in negative terms or think in negative ways of thinking or to look at the glass always half empty instead of half, half full. I'm the guy that tries my best and not best to not point out the negative in everything, but try to find the good in everything. But there are times when I'm at the place, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm just tired of trying to be positive, right? Can I just sit under a juniper bush and can I just pout a little bit and can I say woe is me and maybe it's time for me to throw in the towel and give up and sit down and quit, right? We've all been there, right? That's exactly where we find Elijah. So I hope and pray this message is an encouragement to you. And if you're going through possibly fatigue or burnout today, I hope there's something said today. I hope the Holy Spirit of God fingers around in your heart, gives you the resources and the word and the strength that you need from him to overcome that. If you're not today, take notes. You'll need it sooner or later because there's a four-letter word for this, and it's called life, L-I-F-E. Right. So if you live long enough, you're going to experience some of this. So real quickly, let's jump into this. I want to look at some signs of burnout. What are some of the signs that we see in burnout? If you take your sermon notes out, we'll jump into number one as we look at some signs of burnout. Number one is simply this. We depreciate our worth. Have you ever got to the place where you said life's just not worth it? Right. 
I'm just not worth it. Woe is me. And unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that get there and then they start doing all these horrific things to themselves or to their body. And really what it is, it's at the place where they are depreciating their worth. Now, let's pick up reading in First Kings chapter 19. The text is on the screen. Uh, you have your Bible open as well in whatever means that is, electronic or a traditional Bible. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Scripture says, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done in chapter 18 and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel, this is the queen now, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like that of one of them by this time tomorrow. That's a threat, right? That came from Jezebel to Elijah saying, Hey, may God do worse to me if I don't have you killed by this time tomorrow. So there's a, there's a bounty on his head, so to speak. And Elijah's aware of this. In verse 3, Elijah became, what's the next word? Afraid. Elijah became afraid. This is the same man in chapter 18 that stood by himself in front of hundreds of prophets of Baal on the mountain there, threw down the gauntlet, made this challenge to them, hundreds of them he stood before, boldly. But now we see in chapter 19, this one lady makes a threat to him, and now he is what? Afraid. Do you think there's something going on? This isn't the same Elijah that we saw back in chapter 18, is it? Something has transpired. Something has happened in the life of of Elijah because here we find that he is afraid and he immediately ran for his wife or his wife his life and when he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah get this he left his servant there but he went on let that be a sign right there's sign number one I don't have this in your notes but this is just something else we can add in the margin of our brain or the margin of your notes a sign that you may be burnt out or a sign that you may be discouraged or a sign that you may be dealing with some type of depression is, is the fact that you just want to be alone. You don't want anybody around. Elijah went another day's journey by himself. He wanted to isolate himself, which, by the way, is probably the worst thing that any of us could ever do because Satan knows that there is power in numbers, right? That's why being part of a church family is so important. That's why connecting with other believers is so important. That's why being in fellowship is so important because we find strength in numbers and we're more protected when we serve and worship and learn and grow in community versus in isolation, right? But here we find where Elijah went another day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he would die and he said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. Get this, here it comes, the depreciation of worth. Look what he says, for I'm no better than, and he says, my father's. But Paul's right there. Have you ever said that about your life? Have you ever got to the place where you say, you know what, life's just not worth it. Yeah, I, I'm, my life is no better than fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want to say. He started to depreciate the value of his life. And oftentimes folks will fall into depression or discouragement or into burnout simply because they get to the place where they're fatigued, where they're tired, they're isolating themselves, they're getting all by themselves. And now this little recorder is going off in their mind, I am of no value, I am no better than, and they fill in the blank with whatever it is that Satan wants them to fill in the blank with, right? Because he's beating them up mentally in their mind. That little tape recorder is going 
off over and over and over again. I'm nobody. My life doesn't matter. I'm insignificant. My life doesn't count. I have no value, right? And that just continues to play over and over in your mind. Well, let me give you a few reasons why we can get to the place where we depreciate the value or the worth of our life. Cause of burnout, number one, I want you to jot this one down, is simply comparing. Have you ever got to the place in your life where you compare your life with other people? Where you're looking at where you are in your life and you're thinking, man, I, I've, I've, had all these, I've had all these expectations. I've had all these dreams. I've had all these things I've wanted to acquire. I've had all these things I've wanted to do. And, and I look and I haven't achieved those things that I think I should be achieving. And other people have, have been achieving them. Life is so hard for me, but it seems so easy for them. We get to the place where we start comparing our life with other people's life. You know what the Bible calls you if you do that? It calls you a fool. You say, well, where does it say that? Well, and I don't have this text up there, Byron, I'm sorry. But in 2 Corinthians, I want you to jot this scripture down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. The latter part of that verse says, those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, it doesn't really say you're a fool, but it says that you're not wise, Right? So what's the opposite of being wise? Being an idiot, right? So God says you're an idiot if you're comparing yourselves with other people. So here's what I want you to do. Stop comparing yourself with everybody else. Stop it. It doesn't matter. Are you with me? And people do that today on social media. They get out and say, how many friends do I have? Oh, I don't have enough friends. So-and-so has more friends than I have. Why don't I have as many friends as so-and-so? Or why aren't people following me like they're following so-and-so? And they're comparing themselves among themselves. The Bible says you're an idiot. No, it doesn't. It says you're not wise. Right? You're just not wise if you're doing that. People throw out a post. And they'll think, oh, how many people are going to respond to my post? Have you ever seen these ridiculous posts? And if you send this out, I apologize. Listen, I don't scroll through there and read a lot of stuff that people throw out. I do that for my own sanity. I struggle with depression sometimes. And me seeing what everybody's doing oftentimes can, it's difficult for me to do that. So I just choose not to. Not that I don't care. Just I can't do it. Right? But have you ever seen people throw out this post? Oh, I wonder how many people... Really read what I post. And if 14 people, whoever responds back to me, that shows that you love me. And, and I hope I get some responses back. And I wonder if anybody read my post and throw it out there. How pathetic is that? Say amen or oh me, but right, don't do that stuff. I, 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 check my, I got a Facebook message this morning. You know, I probably shouldn't even say this. Especially now that we're Facebook Live and it's going across the whole world, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Just don't compare yourselves with others. God created you to be you, right? Whatever your frame is, whatever your body weight is, whatever your body fat is, if you have hair, if you don't have hair, if you have glasses, if you don't, if you have good skin complexion, who cares? God created you to be you. Just be you. Right? I'm trying to help you this morning. You're going to lead to frustration, fatigue, depression, discouragement, burnout, if you're always comparing yourself with others. Elijah's saying, I'm no better than, and he puts in there, my father's. My life's of no value. It's the Eeyore syndrome, right? Woe is me. Life is not good. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Don't do that. Don't compare yourselves with others. Don't compare your expectations with how you're living life right now. Now listen, I'm a goal-oriented person. I am goal-driven. I am to-do list-driven. I mean, I wake up every day knowing at least 10 or 15 things that I'm going to do that day. <clears throat> I don't get up any morning and think, I wonder what I'll do today. I mean, when I, my feet hit the floor, I know 10 or 15 things that I've got to get done today. I'm just that type of a driven person, right? So 
but at the end of the day, I don't look at it and say, oh, life is not good. I only got four of the 15 things done that I wanted to get done today. <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? Yeah, strive for success. Set the goals. I believe it's just as easy to shoot for the eagles as it is the skunks. I mean, set the bar high. Set it up there. Strive for it. But if you don't hit it, that's okay. You can turn around. I guarantee you're further along down the road than what you would have been if you sat there with the Eeyore syndrome, right? So don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Number two is this. Another cause of burnout is simply just criticizing. I mean, you're just, you're just critical. I mean, you can't see anything good in anything. Do you realize that we, you, are your very worst critic? Do you realize that? You are your very worst critic. The worst critic for you lives between your ears. Boom, it's right there. That's the worst critic. And what you need to do is just stop it. When you find yourself being critical, when you see yourself pointing out the negative and everything, you realize, hey, that ought to be a sign. Boom. I'm on the verge of burnout, I'm on the verge of fatigue, I'm on the verge of discouragement, I'm on the verge of depression, and I've got to stop all of this right now, okay? So I want you to stop comparing yourself, I want you to stop criticizing. Have you ever told yourself, boy, I must, or I should, or I have to, or I ought to, or I've got to? You ever said all those things? Well, be careful with those. I mean, if you're doing it, kind of set your agenda for your to-do list, that's fine, but don't let it determine the value of your life. So Elijah depreciated his worth. Number two, the second thing I want you to get whenever we see some signs of burnout is that we underrate our work. Right? Okay, we underrate. We depreciate our worth or we underrate our work. We see that in verse 10 of 1 Kings chapter number 19. I want you to look at this. Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. But the Israelites, pay attention now, he, he's, already, he's compared himself already here. This is what I have done. This is how they've responded. I have done this. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets. Now, who is Elijah? Tell me, who is he? He's a man of God, right? He's a prophet of God. He's the teacher of truth. Do you think there's some great value to his work? Yes. But why was he getting discouraged? Why was he burnt out? Because now he's looking at Israel. And he's saying, this is what they're doing. I want you to look what they're doing, God. I've been so passionate I've been so faithful. I've been preaching and teaching your word. I've been doing exactly what you said. But I want you to look at how they are responding. And look what he says. He says, they've abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've even killed the prophets. That's what they're doing. So he's being very critical here. Here's what he's doing. Number one, we've got to stop blaming ourselves for the things that we are not in control of. We got to stop blaming ourselves for things that are not in our control. That's another cause of burnout. Let me tell you something. Elijah was preaching and teaching what God told him to preach and teach, right? He had no authority really whatsoever on how the Israelites would receive it or how they would act. He had no control over that. You one of the most liberating things that I did many, many years ago because when I first got into ministry, I felt like I was a failure if people didn't respond or live in a way that I was teaching them through God's Word to live. And man, I would beat myself up. Now, what am I doing wrong? And finally, said, God, it seemed like me, God said, you're not doing anything wrong. That's not your responsibility. How folks respond is not your responsibility. What they do with the word that you teach is not your responsibility. 
Your responsibility is to be faithful to the word. Your responsibility is to be faithful to teach. Your responsibility is to preach what I lay on your heart to preach. Your responsibility is to say what I'm going to say. I'll take care of how they respond. One of the most liberating moments in my ministry. Matter of fact, back in the day, we used to keep a number on everything. How many people were in church on Sunday and how many made decisions and how many did this and how many did that. And, and we promoted everywhere and we had it everywhere. And, and I'd realize if we, had a, if we had a packed house on Sunday, woo, that means we're doing something right. If we didn't have a packed house on Sunday, woo, what did we just do wrong? I mean, just it was just up and down. all that. We're going to stop that. Right? I'm going to preach the same if there's one person or if there are thousands of people. And I have preached to one or two. I've been in Mexico on a little, in a little community that had no power. And we, we got a car battery out of a car. And we, we ran a little cord over a tree. And we tied a light, uh, screwed a light bulb into it. And I sat there and preached to about three or four little families out in Mexico. And I preached the same way to thousands when I preached at our denominational convention. I mean, it doesn't change the way I preach. So I thought, why should I decide if what people do is going to determine whether I'm successful or not? I'm just going to preach the word. And that's what Elijah has to do. But he started blaming others for the things that he is not in control of. So we've got to stop that as well. We're not responsible for other people. Right? I'm not responsible for your response. My responsibility is simply to teach the word. So one of the ways that we can get into burnout is blaming ourselves. For things that are not in our control. Now you fill in the blank there for you. What does that look like in your life? There are some things that you're just simply not in control of. Right? You just got to pray about those things and give those things over to the Lord and quit blaming yourself for those things. Let me give you number two. Number two is this. We try to control everything. You ever been there, done that? You know, I talked earlier about the Eeyore syndrome. This is the Atlas syndrome. This is where we pick up the whole world and we put it on our shoulders and we think we are the one that's in control and we are the one that's responsible for everything and everybody and it all rests on our shoulders. It goes something like this. If it's going to get done, I've got to do it, right? I've got to plan it. I've got to make it work. I've got to work harder. I've got to do this. And we keep on and on and on. You've heard the old saying, if it's meant to be, it's up to me, right? That can lead to fatigue and burnout, and depression, and discouragement. God never called you to be the general manager of the universe. Hello? Poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now and say, you're not the general manager of the universe. Go ahead and tell him that right now. So, so get out of the Atlas Syndrome, right? You don't have to carry the troubles and the burdens of the entire world on your shoulder. i tell you something else I've quit doing. I've quit watching 24-7 news. For heaven's sakes. You won't get discouraged? You plug into that stuff all day long. Hello? Are you with me? And I don't care what political party you're on. Both of them are horrible. Right? Everybody's slamming everybody. And everybody holding to them to expectations that I'm not holding my group to. And on and on and on. I get sick of it. Sometimes I'll say, oh, just come Jesus real quick and wipe it all out. You know, I get sick of all that nonsense. Hello? Holy smoke. Did I run a rabbit trail? trail? Yeah, I'm not in control of that, right? I'm not in control of what goes on in the world. I can't. Really, all I can do is pray, and all I can do is, is, is do what the Lord allows me to be in control of within my little sphere of influence and try to live right and do what's right and do the best I can every day and then. What's that old country song? If it's meant to be, it'll be. You know, just if it's meant to be, just let it go. Right? I'm not in control of it. Elijah wasn't in control of it either. Let me give you another cause for burnout. You ever get to a place where you exaggerate your problems? We all have problems, by the way, right? And oftentimes we look at those and we know we're at the brink of burnout when we just start exaggerating these problems. I want you to look in verse 10. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 10. Once again, Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They killed your prophets. Look what he says. I alone 
am left. And they're looking for me to take my life. Elijah was overemphasizing what was wrong. By the way, the Lord showed him he was not the only one that was left, right? But he thought he was the only one that was left. So here we find Elijah once again focusing on the negative, right? Instead of the positive, the cup is half empty and empty instead of half full. Ah, it's the Eeyore syndrome once again. So he's exaggerating his problem. So that's some signs of burnout. So if you find yourself in any of these categories, I want you to know you're on the brink of it. And you're on the brink of discouragement and fatigue and depression and burnout. And you're at, the, you're at the place, you're at a very vulnerable place. You're at a very risky place to be in your life. I want to encourage you, don't stay there. Let's get you out of there. How are we going to do that? I want to share some things with you on how we can recover from burnout. And we find this also in chapter 19 in the life of Elijah. So I want to share with you, what do you do when you hit the point of fatigue, depression, discouragement, or burnout? What is it that we must do number one is rest there are four areas here so i want you to write rest for filling in the in the blank rest your body the other blank there's four areas that we're going to deal with this is the physical aspect of it i want you to rest i want you to look if you will in first kings chapter 19 and verse 4 He says, he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Then he laid down and what did he do? He slept under the broom tree. Suddenly the angel touched him and the angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked and there was at his head a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. And and the scripture says that he did what? He ate and drank. And what did he do? He laid down again. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord returned the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. Journey will be too great for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. So I want you to see here that God's first step in recovering from burnout or fatigue or depression or discouragement is we need to rest. Rest your physical bodies. Literally lay down and take a nap. It's okay. For us type A, goal-oriented, driven people, we have to understand it's okay to take a nap. I used to think that was the most waste of time in my entire day. But as I get older, I realize that is the most precious time of the day. Lay down and take a nap. There's something refreshing that takes place when you rest your body. The physical aspect of it. So what was God's remedy to get Elijah recovered from this state of burnout or fatigue or depression or discouragement? I want you to eat and sleep. I want you to eat and sleep. I want you to eat and sleep. Here's some food and water. Eat and sleep. Get some rest. Guys, we need to do that as well. It's spiritual. Oftentimes, the most spiritual thing that any of us can do is take a nap. Seriously. Rest the body. Now, here's what I want you to see. I love this about God. Aren't you glad that when the angel of the Lord came to Elijah, what time is it? Am I getting too long here? Aren't you glad when the angel of the Lord came to Elijah? Aren't you glad he didn't scold him? Aren't you glad the angel did not lecture him? Aren't you glad that he's, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get alive, man. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. What in the world's going on? Look what you just did. Now look at you. God didn't say any of that. He said, here's your something to eat. Here's your something to drink. And then Elijah laid back down. The Lord came the next day. Here's your something to eat. Through the angel. Here's your something to drink. And then he rest and laid back down. I love that about God. I love the fact that he didn't preach at him. He didn't yell at him. He didn't tell him to whip himself into shape. He didn't say, get it together. He didn't scold him. He just said, eat and drink and get some rest. Psalm 127 and verse number 2. Scripture says, he gives sleep to the ones that he loves. The Living Bible puts it this way. It's the same verse. says, God wants his loved ones to get the proper rest. More modern day quote, 
obviously not the same weight as Scripture, but Vince Lombardi said this, the once famous coach of the Green Bay Packers, he said this, I quote, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Right? So sometimes when we find ourselves on the brink of burnout, what we need to do is rest the body. Number two, write down the word release. Not only, re, not only rest your body, which is the physical aspect of it, the second thing I want you to see is that you must release your frustrations. Release your frustrations. You know what this is? This is the emotional side of it. You've got to release that. You've got to tap into that. Right? You can't keep stuffing all the emotional problems into the emotional closet of your life because once you do that for a period of time, you will explode. Okay? So let's look at this real quick. Down in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 and 10, the latter part of verse number 10, let's see, I don't think I read it. So he got up and he ate and drank, and then on the strength from the food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Verse 9, he entered a cave there and he spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but, now here it comes. Elijah's now no longer under the tree. Okay, he's, he's up now, he's in, he's in the cave, he's gone to where God told him to go. God calls him out to the, the front of the cave there, and he asks him the question, he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts. Notice the next word, but. Now right here, Elijah is getting ready to unpack his emotions. He's getting ready to unpack his feelings. All right? Oftentimes, that's the area of our life that we don't want to talk about. But oftentimes, it's the most needed area of our life that we need to talk about. So look at verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, and you know the story, God sent by this wind. Then he sent the earthquake. Then he sent the fire. And then we know there was a still, small voice or a soft whisper that we find down in verse number 12. That soft whisper. And then, in verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the Lord. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, Elijah's getting ready to unpack six, six things that he's dealing with. This is good stuff. Six things that are troubling him. He's getting ready to share that with the Lord. This is releasing the frustrations. These are six things that he was frustrated with. And he's getting ready to tell those to God. Look what he says in verse 14. I've been very zealous. Now, how many times have we heard Elijah say that? Often through this chapter, right? Here he's saying, God, I have been very zealous. Frustration number one. Frustration number two, the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. Frustration number three, they've even torn down your altars. Frustration number four, They've killed your prophets. Frustration number five, I'm the only one that's left. Frustration number six, they're looking to kill me and take my life. Now, those are six viable frustrations, right? But here's the point I want you to get. Elijah is releasing those. Elijah is, is telling and sharing with the Lord those things that are troubling him. No wonder he was burnt out. He's dealing with all of these. Listen, he's got these six emotions that are churning up inside of him. And the fact that he's not sharing them is what's leading him to burnout and fatigue. Something I have in my notes. Whenever you swallow your emotions, your stomach keeps score. You ever literally been sick? Well, Maybe you're dealing with something you just haven't released. Maybe there's some frustrations that you need to release to the Lord. If you don't talk it out, then you'll wind up taking it out on somebody. So release your frustrations. Third thing here, refocus on God. This is the spiritual aspect of it. We've talked about the physical side. You need some rest. We've talked about the emotional side. You need to release your frustrations. Now we're talking about the spiritual side. You need to refocus on God. Look what he did. Verse 11 down through 14, once again, he got out and he stood on the mountain. He lodges alone with the Lord. And then I want you to look at this amazing scene that God puts on for Elijah. 
Look, if you will, in verse 11 through 12. At that moment, the Lord passed by a great mighty wind. Get this. That was tearing at the mountains, was shattering the cliffs before the Lord. Get that. This wind was so strong, it was ripping through the trees, the mountains. Everything was being destroyed from the wind. An amazing sight that God was putting before his eyes. The scripture says that God was not in the wind, or the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake, this massive earthquake. And Elijah got to witness all of this. But scripture says the Lord is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was this massive fire that took, it, took place. But it says that God was not in the fire. The Lord is not in the fire. But he was in the still, soft voice that he whispered. And God, here's what I want you to see. God was remaining faithful to Elijah, and he was showing him who is in control. Now, for us type A personality type people, we really like to be in control. And when we are not, it's frustrating. How many type A's do I have out there? About half you guys, right? You know what God has to show me as a type A personality from time to time? You're not in control. You think you are, but really you're not. You know what God was putting on a display for Elijah to show him how powerful he was? Just to remind Elijah that he was not in control. God was saying, I'm in control. I am sovereign. He was reminding Elijah that the root of all burnout are individuals that are playing God. They're the ones that think they are in control. So let me give you number four, and I'll try to wrap this thing up. For overcoming. So you've got to refocus on God, right? The spiritual aspect of it. Release control. You've got to give God your life. You've got to give him everything. Refocus on the Lord. Number four, get this one. Resume serving others. This is the relational part about the recovery process. Here's something I have discovered. I don't have this in, in the notes or on your slide or anything, but I want you to get this. And I wrote it in my notes because I wanted to remember to share it with you. Do you realize that the more you give your life away, the more God blesses you? The more you give your life away, the more God blesses you. The more you try to serve and help others and be the salt and the light of the earth and be a witness for the Lord and share words of encouragement and, and just try to, try, to serve other, try to serve God by serving others, the more you do that, the more God blesses. It's when we get so focused on ourselves. And our whole world turns inward. And it's me, myself, and I, right? Lord, bless me and my three, right? We, we get all we can and we can all we get and we sit on the can because it's all about me. That's a miserable way to live. But when you live life with your hands wide open and live life to be a conduit, just tapped into God, allowing him to, work, to serve through you, you'll be amazed at the blessings that come in your life. Now, God gave him a new assignment, and I'm, I don't have time to unpack this. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 and 16, he said, Hey, there's a new assignment I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go yoke up, join these three guys. I want you to go anoint them. Okay? And he unpacks what he wants them to do, some to be prophets and some to be uh, kings. And Hey, I want you to go to these guys. But here's what I want you to see. God's saying... Elijah, I don't want you to be by yourself anymore. I want you to go to these three guys. Go by the road of Damascus. Go by the way you came. I want you to go back there. Find these three guys. I want you to anoint them. I want you to bring them into ministry. And we know what an amazing encouragement Elisha was to Elijah, right? As we fast forward and we read about the study there, right? So the point I want you to get is simply this. God wants us to serve and grow and live within a community of believers. He doesn't want us to isolate ourselves. He wants us to serve together. He wants us to learn together. He wants us to grow together. You remember what Elijah did? He went with his servants, then he went a day further, and he laid down under the tree by himself. And here we, says, here we see where God says, I don't want you to be by yourself anymore. I want you to go find these three guys. I want you to anoint them. And you guys are going to do some amazing things together. Right? 
You see, I don't know what you may be dealing with here. And band, you come on up. Tyler, come on up because I'm, I'm going to be done here. I don't know what it is that you may be dealing with in your life. But I do know this. The quickest way to defeat depression, discouragement, fatigue, burnout, fill in the blank, is to get your eyes off of yourself and to start focusing on helping others. If you'll do that, you'll be amazed at what happens in your life. So this week in our D6 Fusion Guide, we're all going to be studying chapter 18 and chapter 19. And we're going to be seeing how Elijah stood for what was right. But I want to unpack chapter 19 with you a little bit to help you because I know this is real for all of us. We all struggle from this from time to time. Four areas of your life you've got to pay attention to. The physical aspect of it. The emotional aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of it, and the relational aspect of your life. you got to pay attention to that. And when you do, you'll be able to overcome fatigue, discouragement, depression, burnout in your life. And if you live long enough, you're going to experience some of this stuff. As I was preparing and studying and putting all this together for you, I, I could look back at my own life. Yep, 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 yep. Make adjustments, make tweaks there to get things right, right? We've got to be constantly doing that to our lives. So I find it encouraging. They hear this great... Matter of fact, the book of James says that Elijah was a man just like we are. I love that. And you're going to see that in your devotional study this week. Elijah was a man with the same passion, same everything, just like us. Really nothing supernatural about him. He was just a man that God used I find that encouraging because Elijah did some amazing things for the Lord but at the same time we see his humanity when he's fatigued and burnt out and discouraged and depressed and how God brought him back from that so I hope this has been an encouragement to you let me tell you it all starts and finishes with the Lord cry out to him give your heart give your life to him Look to Him for all things. He is the answer. Just cry out to the Lord. I hope God spoke to your heart today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time together today. Thank You for Your Word. There's so much to learn in the life of Elijah. And I just pray, God, something's been said today that brought some encouragement to our hearts and to our lives, that's helped us. Lord, we love You. We want to serve You. We won't be zealous for you, just like Elijah was. We want to do a work for you that you've called us to do. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the community of believers that we need around us so we can live out your calling in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.